is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Good morning and welcome to your partner in Success Radio. This is where top performers share their secrets to help you achieve your personal and your professional goals. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and together with my truly amazing guests, we bring you inspiring, excuse me, and actionable insights to take your life and your business to the next level. Ranked in the top 2% globally, this podcast really is a must listen. So let's dive in, sit back, relax, and prepare to explore the answers to these thought-provoking questions. And our topic today is, you can be the change you want to be in the world, with my guest Celeste Merkin. And Celeste is an author, a thought leader, and a change maker. And she has been featured in Oprah's O Magazine, Forbes, and Stanford's Social Innovation Review. And this is important. This is really what we're here to talk about in in many ways. She is the founder of Days for Girls, a global award-winning organization championing women's women's health and menstrual health equity. In America, I don't think we really think about something like that, but she's got a big story to share with us. Days for Girls was named by the Huffington Post as the next 10 organization poised to change the world in the next decade and has reached more than 3 million women and girls in 145 countries. Listen, when I had my pre-interview with her, I was taking notes like crazy. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Things that we as Americans just don't really consider. So typically averaging 52 speaking events a year, Celeste is a sought after professional speaker and consultant. And she was awarded the AARP Purpose Prize Conscious Company Global Impact Entrepreneur Top 10 Women and 219 Global Washington Global Hero and Women's Economic Forums, I can't talk today, Woman of the Decade. I'm just so impressed. I can't even, you know, articulate it all. So her book, and it's in front of me, The Power of Days, A Story of Resilience, Dignity, and the Fight for Women's Equity, currently rests on my desk, and we will dive into its pages for a very enlightening journey. Celeste, good morning. Welcome to your partner in Success Radio. Yours is a powerful story, and I'm grateful that you're here on a Saturday and willing to share it with our audience. I'm so happy to be with you. Thank you. And I have to tell people, we were introduced by your, it was kind of a, a string of introductions. We were introduced by your friend, Cynthia Covey Haller, you know, mm-hmm. her book is Live Life in Crescendo. Mm-hmm. She wrote that with her. It was the final book that she wrote with her dad, Stephen R. Covey. And mm-hmm. we, that introduction came from my friend and another fellow podcast host, and she's fabulous, Meredith Bell. So good for us. Here we are. Yes, here we are. I know. Well, listen, <laughs> tell me about the book, because you just shared some stats with me that had me jumping up and down, go, woohoo. <laughs> Thank you. It came out October 3rd, and it is really the story, the founding story of Days for Girls, and what led me to the mindset that that creates that awareness that we all matter and that every voice is part of an important story. So 
it was very difficult to write because which stories do you choose? And by day two, it was Amazon number one new release. By day five, Amazon number one new release audio and has over 95 star reviews right now as we're speaking. And wow, I'm I'm so grateful for that because I have to be honest, the three days before it came out, I suddenly had that song, do you know ground control to major Tom? <laughs> Don't we all? It doesn't matter how old you are. You have heard that song. Right. And it kept going through my mind and not because launch was coming, but because I I didn't want to put my personal story and I wanted it to be about the girls and those we serve issues. I didn't want my story, but it became clear over and over that my story was part of it that needed to be told. And so suddenly I realized, what have I done? I have been so open and honest and and it's going from unplugging from the little thin tether in the spaceship to my friends and family to the whole world having access to it. And I really did suddenly feel like I was really stepping into outer space and being vulnerable in a way I suddenly wasn't sure I was ready for. But it's been wonderful to receive messages from all over the world that it's is having impact for people and and that makes it all worth it. It's an amazing story. And your personal your personal journey has to be told for other people to say, well, how did she wind up creating this foundation, you know, these different things? What's her story? And storytelling is important. And you mentioned your your five star reviews. I started writing my my Amazon and Goodreads this morning around six o'clock. So it'll be up there today as well. And it is a five star. It's an amazing book. Thank you. That means so much. Well, I wanted to ask you how. <laughs> From the very beginning, and this is a question that I wrote down, and it's like, okay, I have to know. How did an apple and a judgmental look teach you as a five-year-old homeless girl that we shouldn't let others define us and that circumstances, especially circumstances where you're homeless and people are looking at you like, oh, Mm -hmm. you you don't have shoes, you're dirty, however, you don't know what they think, but that's what you took. How has that shaped your current mindset? And this book. (laughs) It really was one of those moments that at the time you think of it as terrible. In fact, it was only a couple years ago that I finally went, wait a minute, that actually had an important role in my life. So here's what happened. I was walking along a sidewalk at a state park and our family was, we would just stop from place to place when we were in between stops, it would be along the road or at a park and And we were at this park, I was walking along and a dog came into view and it was, had a sparkling leash and led up to a woman's hand and she had a half eaten apple. In my memory as about five years old, it seemed huge, I'm sure it was normal size. And she threw it into the dumpster right by where we happened to be standing. And I remember watching it go in and thinking, could I get in and get that half-eaten apple and still get out because it had been a while, honestly, since I'd eaten or certainly had fresh fruit. And I was just deciding I couldn't get out when I noticed she was looking me up and down. And 
And she asked me, where are your shoes, girl? And I answered, I'm tuffing my feet. And then, I remember exactly what I said because it was so traumatic. I used to think of her as Corella Deville from, from the movie. And and then it was as if a mirror turned and I could see what she saw when she looked at me. It was I could feel that she saw me as dirty and and I felt ashamed. And then there was this feeling that came up from inside of me. Are you? The homeless girl and suddenly it was I just had this feeling I am not from here I am not from this place I am not what you see and I didn't get to say that to her she'd already excuse me let me get a drink <clears throat> sorry about that we both have the same issue I keep muting you so I don't cough on you so <laughs> you know it's October I live in the deep south. Our weather can be five different kinds of weather all in one day. So I never know what my voice is going to do. <laughs> Mine sounds like the fall, a little creaky today. In any case, we, in that moment, I really got to see sincerely from my entire being that we get to decide who we are, how someone looks at us, how someone sees us, our circumstance, none of those things define who we are we get to choose no matter what it looks like from the outside and that has affected my keen awareness that we all matter that everybody's wisdom counts and everyone's wisdom is needed and Celeste you're five years old listen I don't remember much about being five years old other than as I shared with you in the virtual green room for the longest kind of th time, I thought my Denise was my middle name, that that damn Denise was my real name. That's really all I remember. And you're getting these huge God winks, these downloads, and I'm wondering what my real name is. <laughs> We're very different people. Oh, well, admit it. There are just some moments that something happens and it just stays with you. And for me, honestly, it was a painful memory Oh, yeah. Until I realized, wait a minute, if not for that moment, I mean, what a gift to be asked at that young age, what are you? Are you your circumstances? I didn't see it that way. And I recognize a lot of times the things that are hardest for us turn out to be a truly formative, important experience. Oh, no question about it. And when you told me this story in our pre-interview, I remember clutching my stomach going, Oh, my. And I don't know. I hope that she didn't mean unconsciously to be cruel, but she was. Mm -hmm. And my second hope was I hope she went home and beat herself up for that. <laughs> I'm a much meaner girl than you are. apparently. <laughs> I am really grateful for that moment. And it took me a whole lot of years to know why. And th that makes sense, but it stuck with you and it came, it became part of you and how you identify mm -hmm. in the world. And you have, um, I think you shared with me, you have a personal quick and simple technique for minding the gap to heal past trauma. And that was a trauma. No question about it. Oh, a hundred percent. Truly. And uh, would you like, may I share that technique really quick? Yes, please. Ooh, okay. So here's how it works. The, what I've learned is 
that our amazing brain, as you know, has the amygdala, which is our emergency responder. And unfortunately, often the first part of our brain to respond because it wants to keep us safe. So, so many of the decisions and interpretations we make are made in an instant, or we would be able to do nothing but interpret our next step, right? So that first responder defaults to negative. So this means that if you and I are walking down a grocery store aisle and we see a friend and we wave to them and they look right past us and keep going, none of us, I don't think that I know of, defaults to, oh my, she probably didn't see me. And also I'll have to check in to see how she is. For me, my brain likes to scurry down a rabbit hole of, oh man, I knew it, I knew it, I should have called her last week, now she's mad at me. This whole narrative starts up when just as possibly, she really didn't see us. She's thinking about what she's making for dinner. Um, she's thinking about uh, that she needs fuel in her car. We, our amazing brains just default to negative. Here's the gift in that. When you recognize that that space between something happening to you and your, your own interpretation of whether it's good, defaming, negative, harmful, hurt, that moment is a huge opportunity to take back our energy. So if you, in the middle of, oh, for instance, I was just at an event, someone I knew had read the book, came up and said, Celeste, I just um, got halfway through your book and I am just so happy I've been able to read it. And then she didn't say anything else and moved on to the next thing. So I'm thinking, uh-oh, she defaulted to the nice thing to say nothing about the book other than I'm halfway through and I've read it, right? I'm thinking, oh no, that may mean she doesn't like it. Thankfully, I know, stop that thought right now. What she thinks of it is none of my business. Hold that moment open just for a second and say, deep breath and go, it's okay. Not everybody has to like it. And I don't really know what her opinion was. And, and it doesn't matter. It's okay. Every, I'm glad she got it and went on with what I was doing. Thank goodness, because really it was feeling a little bit like, oh, she didn't like it. And like six hours later, she introduced me to someone and said, this is the woman I was telling you about. I've been reading her book and it's so, so good. She's the one I told you about. I thought I could have spent the last six hours feeling like, oh, my friend didn't like it which whether we like it or not, when we hear 15 positive things and one negative or even almost negative thing, our being defaults to the negative. It does. And listen, years ago, Larry Wayne gets known as the bull of personal development. He's been my guest multiple times and we have to be careful because neither of us has filters. It can be dangerous. <laughs> And we warn each other, don't talk about nuns. Okay. Because <laughs> one time he told me, you know, we're going to get letters. I know, I know. But he said, the very first conversation I had with him, oh gosh, probably 10 years ago now on this podcast, he mentioned a book and I've tried to go find the book, but basically the title of it is what you think of me is not my business or not my concern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's me. I never have had the time or the energy to really care what you think of me. If you like me, great. If you don't, yeah. 
I, I just don't care. I've got That's other so things cool. to worry about. Good for you. You save a lot of energy. I bet that book was The Four Agreements. It might have been the book, The Four Agreements. It's an amazing book. You'll love it, Denise. I remember <laughs> with with that book, when you told me about that book, I thought, well, that does make sense because, and you mentioned just a minute ago, your own interpretations. Mm-hmm. And in your case, when this lady, you know, stopped and you almost said, well, but she didn't give me enough information. Did she like it? Didn't she? Didn't she? She probably, and this was my take from it, in mm-hmm. her own mind was saying, I don't want to take up too much of her time. I'll talk with her later. Who mm-hmm. knows? Who knows? No, it's true, right? And we, but we really do end up going down rabbit holes of what if and did they? And and this is also true with trauma, Denise. So we get the gift to go back to those moments where something traumatic happened to us, take a deep breath, and I call it be curious, be grateful, and bring the wisdom of right now. So so this looks like this. I'll share with you if it's okay, an example of when I was in middle school. Dude. So, and you know, middle school is a time you can be truly mortified with a capital M. <laughs> I came out of the bathroom and there were people snickering. And then uh, I was kind of giggling with them, wondering what we're laughing about. And the girl behind me says, your tights are tucked in your shirt. Your skirt is tucked into your tights. And I'm like, oh, so embarrassed. Run back into the bathroom. Wait until the break is over to even come back out. And in that moment, though short and small, really was one of those moments that just things kind of sticky with us. It doesn't matter how big or small it is. These things are sticky with us. So so I went back to that moment and considered picking up as much details as I can. So like the 1970s pink tile in the bathroom hallway, the lockers, the two boys standing there, the girl behind me. And now, now that I can feel the moment, feel the embarrassment, now I could go to what could I be grateful for? And you go grateful for, well, first of all, you know, that I am at school. Second of all, that this girl told me I might've walked around like that all day. And, um, and then now bring the wisdom from right now. Well, now I know that if I just pulled that, the skirt out, patted it down and said, that is funny. Oh, that's embarrassing. I am so glad you told me and whew, I could have walked around like that all day. Thank you everyone for telling me. And then walked off. Not only would I not lost any energy to what other people think, but I also would have left them going, wow, I wish I was that confident. And I know today that that is true. So I can celebrate. I know that now. And I can bring that wisdom back to that moment and go, whew, moment closed. All of my energy is back from that moment. And trauma, big or small, we can do that. We can reframe it, re-identify it, and claim back our energy. We can. I was talking with a friend a couple couple weeks ago, and I had spent a Saturday morning working on a giant Excel spreadsheet, which I hated doing. I was working on my, you know, the end of the year, the final quarter. It took me all day, and it was a miserable. I mean, I'm glad I did it because I needed to. But I'm telling you, I realized that memories lie to us. Mm-hmm. Not only do they lie to us, they're big fat liars. They really are. 
<laughs> and I was looking at one thing. I don't even know how it wound up into that spreadsheet, but I was thinking that, you know, this was a big deal and it happened in 2005. It, mm. it, I was off by a solid two years. Mm. Mm -hmm. So pay attention to what you think, you know. Right. Well, and we can know it in a new way. I had a really traumatic experience when I was seven and I, um, you know, you can't help but um, keep those things with you. And it, and it affects you in ways you wouldn't guess. I was always at parties, birthday parties, people would say, do you want some soda? And I'd be like, no. And I didn't know where that came from. And, and in the room that I was attacked in, there were so old abandoned soda bottles in the corner of the room. So these things really do kind of hijack you. So it's to your benefit to open it up. And just like a nightmare, you think if you turn on the lights, it doesn't follow you. But throughout the day, you have just a, a bad feeling and realize, oh, yeah, the dream. We can, we can take it back. So in the case of what happened to me when I was seven, I can't change what happened in that room. But I can say, I see you. I am so grateful for your strength and that you survived this and you are not alone. I want you to know that there will come the moment that the strength you get from it will help you reach millions. And you you are just such a survivor and, and I really love you and I'm really proud of you and you're going to be okay. Hang on. And then close that moment back up. We, we can own that moment. We can reinterpret. We can claim the strength that we got from it and remind ourselves that that moment does not define us. In fact, that moment brings us the gifts we want and they have no business, just like we have no business thinking about what other pe people think. They have no business holding on to any of our strength. They've taken enough of it. Thank you very much. That is within our grass to do really quickly. It is. And, you know, just, it's a way of changing those neural pathways. Mm -hmm. You keep mm -hmm. thinking the same thing over and over again. It's almost like you have now ground a rut into your brain. Yes. You need to pave over that with something different. Mm -hmm. Well said. Okay. Listen, I wanted to ask you because I really, and thank you for sharing all this. It's important that our audience knows who you are and why you do the work that you do. And I know this is going to happen. We're already a half hour into this and I've got this book and the book is amazing. So I'm just going to flat ask you to come back in the new year and pick up or, or maybe sooner. I'm right now booked all the way through January and booking through February, but I think this is important enough that we need to maybe do another Saturday. <laughs> Wonderful. So you have to tell me yes, because I did it on the radio. You can't tell me no. It would be very rude. <laughs> Deal. Deal. Okay, good. Good, good. So I'll talk to you when, when we're done with this, but when here's what I really wanted to ask you. How did the power of saying yes, even in the face of closed doors, lead to the global work that you do? And that's days for girls. Look, when you told me about this book and when Cynthia Covey Haller told me about this book, my jaw dropped. I am not often speechless, but I just went, oh, my God, how did I not know any of this? And I felt a little bit snotty, privileged. I didn't feel good is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. I 
here's what I know. A lot of us don't talk about what um, Days for Girls does, which is give people their days back. Days that are lost to not having what they need for menstrual equity. And we don't talk about this because it's one of the world's most prevalent taboos. And why? When it connects us all. And I didn't know about it. And back to one of your, and it's huge, like half of the population, you know, over 500 million women and girls face not having what they need. And I did not know that until I met you. Right. And we can change that. I am shocked. Listen, we live in a, a very amazing world all over the world, all over the country, yeah, this country, other countries, people don't have water. And now you're telling me they don't have menstrual products. What the mm-hmm. heck? How is this even happening? It's true. And I think in part because we don't talk about it, we assume. And yet, what does a homeless person do? What does someone who's choosing between fuel in their gas tank and going to the next job interview do? And what does a, a foster girl do? Or honestly, just someone choosing between food and pads or it all over the world, including right where we are, there are people choosing right now. And we can help in really practical ways. Just talk about it, shatter the stigma by making it a non-issue. If you, I call it take the TP test. If you put a package of TP on the conveyor belt at the grocers and then a package of period products on the, on the conveyor and there is any part of you that feels different about those two things, where did that come from? And can you make a new decision about what you think? Because that decision helps us step up, solve the issues and, and breaks the shame and improves equity. It's a big deal. It really is. Oh, did you hear that echo? Yes, it did. Oh, shoot. Well, okay, there it went. (laughs) I hate it when stuff like that happens and I can't clean it up. So we'll have to live with it. Okay, let's talk more about how you started this, why you started this, because I think that story is such an important part of, of who you are, your history. It was one of those moments that is about to change your life and you have no idea. I was, I had been helping a friend and her foundation um, in Kenya. And we would go every six months bringing sustainable solutions because of my background, you can imagine. I understand you don't want a one-time deal. You need something that can count on. And I had um, been going for about six months, like I said, and then we were introduced to an orphanage and learned later that they were sitting on pieces of cardboard for days during their period, cardboard for days. And that was a miraculous moment, how I found out for the sake of radio, we'll fast forward, it is in the book, (laughs) but they, they explained that. And I knew we needed to do something so they could go to class and care for themselves. So we were able to send money for the first single use pads And then I knew we needed something they could count on. So we made the first washable days for girls' kids. And it was an awful design. And I can say that because I designed it. (laughs) But I also knew that we just need to listen to those we serve. So we brought these days for girls' kids. And today that's been through 30 iterations. So it holds two patents for its genius because we listened to them. When we arrived with the kids in education and had this incredible conversation about your body is amazing and so are you, and this is what's happening, 
and here's something you can count on. They were cheering and their echoes were, cheers were echoing off the ceiling and there were 250 girls and another 250 coming in next. And the girls came to the door where I was standing and said, thank you so much. Because before you came, we had to let them use us if we wanted to leave the room and go to class. I was hoping that did not mean what I feared it meant. I was going to ask you, and I'm not sure I want to know, but tell me anyway. <laughs> they were, yes, you're right. They oh. were being abused in exchange for a single disposable pad. And that was the moment Days for Girls was born. And honestly, if everything I've done helped those 10 girls not be exploited anymore, it would be worth it. And honestly, no one believed when I came home that it could be outside of that orphanage. And I started passing the word. Um, then you, you ask. And it turned out that everywhere people asked, people were facing this need, including here in the U.S. And... And we began to pass the word and show up and share the opportunity to help. And today we've reached over 3 million women and girls in 145 countries on six continents. That's how global this issue is. When you told me that, I, and I think I've shared this before, I'm not often speechless, but I was. I kept thinking, how can this be? I mean, how can this be? We are an amazing globe with amazing people. Some not so, but, you know, most of us are. Mm -hmm. And how in the world can this, this isn't the Middle Ages. What the hell is what I really said out loud. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's just the silence. In the silence, we think um, things will go away, but it doesn't. It actually festers and grows. And and the more silence people have had, the more shame has been able to grow. And everything we relate with blood is illness and injury. So it's easy for some of the myths out there in places like Western Nepal, where there's a practice called chopati. And this is that you're untouchable and you can't even be in your home. You have to be in the shed and not even on the pathway to the home in the crawl spaces in the forest the entire time that you're on your period. And and that puts their lives at risk. And people are willing to do that because they think they're protecting their family from being untouchable. Conversations change that. Having what you need changes that. And I don't know about you, but here's how I'm left feeling. And this is what the book does. It keeps coming back to hope because there are a lot of things that are hard to change. Menstrual equity is not one of them. We can change this in our lifetimes. I think of it as like the suffragette movement, that, that there was a moment people couldn't vote if they were women. And this is the same. We can change this. And in this, there is hope because right now we're facing so many difficult things in our world. And it is really easy to say we cannot change them. But if we can take on menstrual equity and start a movement that has many organizations and countries and people changing their mind about recognizing this is an important issue and doing something about it, then we can change the other hard things too. We can, if we lean into what we want instead of fearing what we don't want. 
Exactly. And I have to tell you, when you were telling me about girls sitting on cardboard, my first thought was, oh my God, number one, the stench. Number two, the the infection that had to have been crawling back up into these girls. I mean, how dangerous is that? They're not, they're sitting in cardboard, which God knows where that's been. My cats live in cardboard boxes. Those are condos. You know, they just... (laughs) And after two days, I throw them out because I know that they're now just full of stuff, you know, bacteria and fur and stuff. I would not sit on one of those. You couldn't make me. Well, and they're unclothed. Couldn't make me do it. I hear you. And the truth is how innovative of them to come up with something that works right. And and it is dangerous when it's um, corn cobs that are inserted in stones and... Right. It's seriously um, innovative and courageous of them to just keep wanting to go back to class and work and support their families, do whatever they have to do. And you can recognize how much dignity and health and opportunity there is when you have something you can count on. I am it's it's kind of mind boggling to me to this day that it's such a big change maker and it's a small lever that makes a huge change. I'm just it makes me aware that there may be other keys to reversing poverty, violence, and inequity that we haven't found. And I'm really glad we found this one. Well, I think you know what you are. Hang on. We're... What the heck? I don't know where that... <laughs> that echo is coming from, but I keep hearing myself and that's annoying. But anyway, we can, It it's just for a moment. But what I wanted to say is that because these girls are now in school, because they now become educated, there's a trickle-down effect from all of this, isn't there? You are so right. When a girl is able to receive education, her entire future family benefits, her community benefits, her. Um, there's actual data on the impact that is th- echoes through her entire community and our world. It's a big deal to have this happen, and for a long time, People weren't talking about one of the things that was keeping them from the classroom and even making them the one that would be sacrificed to go get water and to go uh, to miss school because she had this, quote, liability that is really, you know, without periods, there would be no people. But but if you were framed, speaking of mindset and speaking of how you see things, how do you not see yourself as a liability when you don't have what you need and you're being told you're in there it goes again sorry when you don't have what you need and you're being told you're untouchable it's it's huge to have the reference point of reference that actually this is a sign of a healthy body that's a bit no kidding and what I really want to know and you may or may not have the answers to this and I know history in many countries has not been kind but I'm wondering where did this untouchable, unclean come from? Is it from the male family? Is it, where did this come from? That's not normal. So I, like you, have to just guess. I can tell you that there was an archaeologist that discovered a bone that had 28 scores on it several times, um, the ancient one. And they were like, I wonder what this 28 is. And that's an average days uh, between cycles. And and thankfully, it was a woman archaeologist who said, I know exactly what that is. Um, I 
Or so it's been something, of course, throughout all time, all mammals here face. And and I just think that for for humanity, something that that if you can't manage it, um, creates an issue in a sacred space, for instance, or classrooms. Right now, right now, there are girls who can't go to class or choosing to go to class and using something that doesn't work end up having a stain and being embarrassed and turn their skirt around and cover it with a book and don't come back to school for days. And that's not just somewhere else. We had a call from New Orleans community and schools who said, you're doing it somewhere else, but what about here? We have 3,200 girls facing this in New Orleans. And this no, was in 2016. We are leaving people liable. And I just think that, like I said, we think of blood as an uh, illness or injury. If you don't have the education, if you are not talking about it in positive ways, it's really easy to fall into myths. And, and I'm just really grateful that it is our opportunity to start normalizing talking about periods and making sure true education and what we need, that combination, and everybody's got their days back. I am still, I'm listening to you and I've read the book, well, once and a half. I read it yesterday, <laughs> all day. And then I read it very briefly. I kind of skimmed through it when it landed on my doorstep a few weeks back. So, and I've got sticky notes all over it, but I'm telling you, I'll open a page and go, oh my God, and my stomach hurts. It's like, how in this world, with all of the abundance that we have, you know, America's very rich. England, I believe, is very rich. You know, there's countries all over this world that are wealthy beyond anything we can ever imagine. And here we are. So that goes back into my what the hell? You know, I was doing a lot of that with your book going, oh, whoa. And I said a couple of other words, too, mostly because they really the stories that you were telling were like, okay, I get it, but what the heck? Why? I I love that question because that's the question we need to ask. Why? Because we can make a new decision. We just have to make a new decision back to the beginning of our conversation. Sometimes we interpret things wrong. And sometimes we've been told by people, oh, look, she's on her rag. She's on her, she's being... That whole thing, where did it come from? And is that really what we want to hold and pass on? This is our opportunity because we can change this. This is just mistaken information that got planted within us that don't talk about that, be ashamed about that right where we are. Do you know there was a study in Canada and the U.S. that found that women would rather talk to their doctors about STIs, sexually transmitted infections, than menstrual issues. Are you kidding me? Really? I thought I just said you got <laughs> Truthfully. And, and where does that come from? Denise, that's the beauty of this. Even though some of these pages come back to, oh my goodness, could that really be happening? And hearing their stories they also came to strength where they're part of the movement to change it, where they're leaders in their communities to change it. And they've reached thousands and thousands of people getting their days back because they too found the moments of their pain to be strength for them to be champions. And, and here's the beautiful part. 
we can see it now. This this book and talking about this, like you are right now, turns on the light and says, like, you know, when you have a bad dream, okay, I'm right here and I see you and I'm not going to let this issue scurry away. This is something we can talk about like you are and change how things have been. And thank you for coming on the show. I know when you were first introduced to me, I thought, how can I work this into a business podcast? My second thought was, heck with it. We're working it in. <laughs> so it's my show. I can do what I want. And this <laughs> is a very, very important topic because it it's equity, yes, but it's something that shouldn't be happening. It can be helped, as you said, and we need to be more aware of how, look, just because we're not maybe necessarily seeing it in our own communities, but New Orleans is a hundred miles from me. So mm -hmm. it kind of is in my community. Mm -hmm. But when I, when you were talking to me about these girls having to sit on cardboard, which still just squeaks me out, I just, bleh. but listen, I had a hysterectomy when I was pretty young. Mm -hmm. I had to, I, it was the only way I was going to survive. Oh. I catch myself wondering if some of these girls were in such bad shape because you you never know what's going on. Yeah. You, know, you can die without sometimes surgical intervention. And I there wonder how many lives were lost because nobody took care of them or helped them. There are lives lost. There are. And we have those records and what, or you can find them even online. Uh, we have chosen to focus on the positive, on their strengths, on their capacity on the solution that all of us can be part of. And because I I think this is truly the New York, New York of development. In other words, if we can make this conversation happen and move the needle, then we can move lots of important issues. And I, I think that it's so important to recognize not only the why of, yes, this has to change. This is not okay. And also the truth that we can become complacent and empathetic about a lot of issues. Maybe we choose not to vote. Maybe we choose not to care anymore because we really can't be a change maker. And this is truly evidence that we can. We can change all of the hard things if we lean in together. We can do anything together. Yes. And thank you for saying it the way you just said it. That was beautiful. And you mentioned the lost time, the opportunities and the shame experienced mm -hmm. by those who lack proper resources for menstruation and other things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the conversation that we're having right now is how can we help change this in our lifetime? Well, you're doing it. Yes. Isn't it incredible? It is. And we all are. We're doing it, Denise, because you chose to use your business radio uh, to take on something that's so taboo no one wants to talk about it, even right here. I I want to thank you for that. And, and also thank you for the awareness. Actually, Days for Girls is an incredible business model of, of being understanding that you can't design a product and leave it stagnant. It's important to get user feedback and that results in phenomenal um, opportunities and solutions. And, and of the truth that when you're communicating in business, it can't be about what's important to you. 
it can't be about the awards we've won, about the, the things that we think are important. It has to be about what's important to all of those we work with and, and really talking about how it is about the power of we, how things have happened because we have come together. That kind of communication helps us all keep going, helps us all keep leaning in tirelessly because we're able to see what's happening as a result of our own two hands and our our voices. And, and I think that's true for all business. It's easy to say, look how great we are. It's more important to say what matters to our stakeholders and what results happen when you interact with our products, services, and company. Exactly. And I'm glad you brought that up because, and I knew, you know, just reading the book and, and watching what you're doing, that there is very definitely a business component to it. This didn't just pop mm-hmm. up. Oh, look, I'm going to be a foundation. Woo-hoo. That's not how it works. <laughs> I tell you, it's just not how no. it works. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of people involved. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I wanted to ask you, Celeste, is when this started to take off, and I'm not sure that you meant for it to be as monstrously huge as it is that you just saw a need and you decided to do something about it. Was mm-hmm. there a moment when you went, oh, geez, now this is a business? <laughs> now what? It really has been. Um, first of all, in 2012, someone, a business um, and nonprofit consultant asked, so for your strategy, can you say something? What is your doable and achievable um, number that you can, an objective that you can count and quantify? and and I said, every girl everywhere, period. And she was like, <clears throat> narrow it down. Yeah, let's <laughs> define doable and achievable. But to me, this as is. a web developer, when somebody says, well, this is who I want to reach, I'm like, oh, geez, narrow it down. Okay, narrow it down again. More, more narrow it down. <laughs> so I can see our advisor going, oh, we have some work to do. <laughs> exactly. That was the look. That was the look that happened. And the truth is, for me, it is about narrowing it down and recognizing that actions that are replicatable, scalable, and you're able to say, here's the playbook, open it if you'd like, and here's how you report what you've done, that that kind of scale, it's about one more girl, one more partnership, one more way to reach more with the, and and in my experience, it is those audacious goals that take your breath away just a little that are the ones that wake you up in the morning excited to take on the puzzle another day. And and it does need to be just at the edge. Okay, all right, every girl was a bit of a stretch. However, um, that one still echoes in my heart. Here's here's the truth. I It was probably um, from the beginning we shared because I knew this of course, needed to reach more outside of my circle and from the beginning made it so that people could hold it because um, part of my background is sustainable development. So I, I knew some of these tools that, that engage and create long-term effect. And honestly, there, it, I'm going to be sincere. It was a moment when I was praying and I was asking for all those who had been part of this to know how important their work was and to, to that they would be blessed in equal measure to all that they've done for so many, having just heard some incredible 
reports back and just having that moment of gratitude. And it was as if I could see the whole planet lighting up, ding, 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 and, and recognizing that moment of there are tens of thousands of people all over this planet linking arms to make this happen. Wow. And reaching, you know, now over 3 million. In fact, it was 3 million in, um, I want to say, August, and it's 3.1 now. So it tells you how it's scaling. And I'm just so grateful. And it's never been about me. This is about the power of coming together. And this is about the girls. It always has been, and it always will be for me. And, and I'm just so grateful to be a part of this important movement. And I can hear that in your voice. And you mentioned something that is so important. And I've been scribbling down notes. I had to scoot a cat's butt off of my pad here, but I'm... <laughs> I'm, I've got notes. Love you, Denise. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's a podcast, P-A-W-D cast. Honestly, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. I had a, a wonderful guy. He was here a couple of weeks ago. And the other day I opened up my front door and there was this package out there. And I went, huh, it's a wonderful cat bed for my cats because he heard them on the podcast. <laughs> One of them was sitting here. His name is, he's a hashtag. He hits Christmas cards. Hashtag Hamilton is an ass. He's a 20 pound ginger and he is fascinated with whoever I'm talking with. So Aww. he got a cat bed the other Hi, day. Hamilton. That was so sweet. But <laughs> what I wanted to ask you, and you, you know, I mentioned case studies earlier. Mm -hmm. You're talking about the reports that you're getting, and that's really where I wanted to go. That's what reports are you getting? What is really happening? What are the numbers, I guess, is what I'm asking oh. outside of what you just gave me, but maybe some individual countries, just I'm going to open it up and let you talk about whatever you want to talk about, because I've got questions and I know <laughs> that you're coming back, so I don't have to rush it. I, oh man. Okay. Next time I'll have actual numbers in front of me. Uh, there are some, there are some in the book as well. I I, let me give you an example. A volunteer in um, Australia, Maria Hicks, had worked in Cambodia for many years. She had a friend there named Tiana Moni, and she, she um, was Cambodian and been there her whole life, other than going to college. And she had survived the killing fields, this amazing oh. thing. And so this woman was, I need this to happen, Days for Girls to happen where I live. And didn't speak English well, but polished it so she could learn it and teach it better. Now today, because of her and because of the efforts in Cambodia and other leaders there, I have dogs in the background. I hope that's I not true. <laughs> I just closed my door so one of my cats can come over here. Um, she's 18 years old. I'm convinced that she has selective kitty dementia because she just ate an hour ago. And now she's standing here going, I'm hungry. No, you're not. You just, you want to bug me. So I just shut the door on her. <laughs> well, we had, we had um, the opportunity to not only have more Days for Girls enterprises, this is a part of Days for Girls where local leaders create the solution as a business. They make them, they teach locally and they, uh, local NGOs and Days for Girls, NGOs and groups, all different groups purchase the kits and they go teach. And so this process had been happening and someone from 
the Ministry of Education, Sports and Health heard about it, that it, this was actually effective and people were listening and, and taking it in. So they observed it and they decided that this should be something replicated throughout Cambodia's education system. It was piloted along with monitoring and evaluation. The evaluation came back so big uh, that they decided that they would teach the master teachers and then they would teach other teachers. And, and now it's, it's starting to scale in Cambodia thanks to the leaders and, and who have chosen to lean in with it. And there was a moment when we were, and that's like, you know, cheers should be happening right now. I know in my heart they are. And there was a moment that they first walked in, these master teachers, and one of them was a very tall Cambodian man. And he was sitting in this desk provided, and it was way too small for him. And he's sitting there with his arms crossed as we start uh, teaching about this. And he said, I know what you're trying to do, but this will never work because the teachers will not allow us to teach this. The, the parents will be angry at us and the students will laugh at us. We cannot teach this. And, and bad sign that you're teaching the master teachers and that's the first response, right? But by several days later into this interaction, one, he and an associate put the days for girls, um, there's underwear in the kits, the pad snaps around their underclothing, had, was practicing how to snap and unsnap and to show other students. And uh, one of them put it on his uh, bicep and said, this makes girls strong. So they come, <laughs> we're, not, <laughs> we're not doing this to this man. And then wanted to right that minute, go out and start teaching this. I mean, the shift that happens for people is is so, so big and so important. And and it is because of what I'm describing, you know, one person steps up and they invite another person to step up. It is phenomenal to watch the global chain that it has set off for not just us, but other organizations that have started talking about it. And, and I don't know about you, but that's miraculous. And that yeah. is to me that we can do anything. Very much so. And I think what I might have maybe not been very clear about this is not just a menstruation thing this is a health issue yes big time health issue absolutely and we get to teach in our curriculum about not only what a period is but when to know to be able to track it and how self-defense and hygiene and how babies happen and and even trafficking we get to touch on and preventing disease and just it's this interactive, um, engaging conversation instead of a shameful, it's just here's the facts and aren't our bodies amazing? And, and you get this chance to just in an hour and a half change lives. And the best part for me is not only how you watch their posture change, they go from, oh man, we're gonna talk about this to sitting up and smiling. And, and then they go home and teach their family. and. And it becomes contagious in a positive way instead of a dangerous way that leaves people isolated, ashamed, and, and at risk of infection and other problems. And I am Malawi, if I may. Um, there is a practice that when you start menstruating, you're considered uh, that you need to be cleansed. And this ritual cleansing involves an elder man called a hyena. 
and puts them at risk of pregnancy and infection. And, and Chief Teresa there is part of Days for Girls and she and the First Lady and the Minister of Education, Minister of Health, Minister of Gender have all declared, you know, no more. We're stepping up for menstrual equity and, and this dusting off things, which they call it, will not be happening anymore. All over the world, are you kidding me? That's something that's basic to our biology that none of us would have came here if not for menstruation. No we somehow fell for this. We get to change. And this is why I, you know, bit earlier asked, was this a male thing? Was it a patriarchy thing? Which, not a word I'm terribly fond of, but it seems in history that when women are sequestered, when they're taught to be shamed and, and they are shamed, it's coming from the male side of the family from the most part, unless I'm just dead wrong. And I don't think. I, th I think you could say that. And it's a practice that everybody is perpetuating, right? Because it's, it's misunderstood. It's a misunderstanding we can change. And, and truthfully, there are a few cultures that do not see it as a bad thing, but as a powerful thing. And did you know that the word taboo actually comes from, in part, the island's calling menstruation? And, and it means two things, sacred and powerful and untouchable. So in some cultures, it's like sacred and powerful. You don't want to mess with them right now because they're sacred and powerful. And it also means untouchable. And somehow we took the whole part about untouchable bad and, and its roots are actually in part around menstruation. I find that just fascinating. And I don't know about you, but for me, I'm going, let's go with sacred and powerful. Let's yeah, <laughs> that would be my option too. And I I did know, and I love to look at the, the genesis of words. What do they mean? Where did they come from? Are they Latin? Are they Greek? What do they actually mean? And often, and I've been reading since I was three, so I like to think that I'm Ooh. fairly literate. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll come across a word and go, huh, well, that's not what I thought that meant. Well, mm -hmm. it didn't originally. What it means now is something altogether different. So I guess what I'm saying is pay attention to words. They're important. Mm -hmm. Yes. Celeste, this has been amazing. And I really do want you to come back because there is so much in the book that we still need to touch on. Before I let you go, and can you come back next Saturday? I'm looking at my calendar. I'm open. Oh, I would love to. Okay, let's do a two-parter because I don't want to wait. Otherwise, you would have to come back in January. No, February or March. And I don't want that to happen. I want to get this out there, get you know people paying attention to the book, to what you're yeah. doing, and you know just really talk about it. So I'll get in touch with you after we close this down. But before I let you go, reluctantly. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience? Yes. Hope matters. And there are so many things right now that are disturbing. Hope matters. Watch for the things you can be grateful for and watch for the things that you can do and take action. And don't let trauma and fear hijack a moment when you are needed maybe more than ever. And it doesn't take a whole heck of a lot to make a small change that has a ripple effect. Just kindness. Mm -hmm. You know, people say, oh, you know, that's just so cute. Kindness matters. It 
does. Oh, so much. So, you know, take a moment. You don't know what we're all thinking. We don't know what you're thinking. We don't know what we're thinking half the time. Just be kind. And really, we don't. I have a squirrel brain. I never know what's going to come out of my mouth. But I do know that I have to deliberately sometimes take a step, sit down, shut up, and figure out what just happened there. What's the what's the lesson? And most of the time, it was something that happened in my brain, in my thoughts, that had me going, well, that sucked. We all do that. So my point is, be kind to yourself. And when you're mm -hmm. kind to yourself, it's easier to look for opportunities to be kind to your humans, you know, your human beings that are around you. Well said. I thought so, too. <laughs> so anyway. And like I said, I never know what's going to come out of my mouth, but that was sincere. Listen, I don't know about you, Celeste, but honestly, sometimes I'll get in a track in my head and I'm being mean to myself. Mm -hmm. The truth is, if I ever, if anybody ever spoke to me in a Walmart parking lot, the way I speak to myself, I'd need bail money. So <laughs> seriously, <laughs> I'm it's not true. joking. So be kind to yourself and then be kind to the world because it's all part and parcel of the same train of thought. It matters. Yes. Okay. Well, listen, tell people where they can find the book and tell people where they can leave a review for the book after they've read it. And you you said you had an audible. Oh, it's there a book. Is. Ooh, I need there to is. That. Uh, what I like. I do is I like to because I read I read everything I used to read cereal boxes when I was a kid I don't eat cereal me too, me too. <laughs> it was blocking my brother's face I go okay and I would read it out loud and just drive him crazy then I got where I did it on purpose <laughs> I could read all the little words <laughs> it just drove him nuts but I like to take the book and then listen to it at the same time because I can pause you know I can pause the audio and go Ooh, okay when you hear something and when you read something, it lands differently in your brain. So mm -hmm. I like to do both simultaneously if I can. Wow. I'm heading to Audible. Wow. I I am hearing a lot of people that read it and then got the audio. And, yeah. oh, it's so wonderful to get messages from all over the world. I am so grateful that I got to participate in this speaking of thank you Denise for this opportunity to be with you and you can get the book anywhere that you find books you can order it it's immediately available on Amazon Barnes and Noble uh, Penguin Random House um, and it also is available of course as audio anytime and electronic and to learn more about any of it you can go to celestemergens.com and all the links to Days for Girls and the books and are all there. Can people reach you directly if they have questions or is there a Absolutely. platform? Okay. And I'm in social media too, so feel free. And remember, as you read it, there are a couple hard parts and I promise it will be worth it. I promise hope will win. And remember that you've heard my voice and you can tell there's a twinkle in my eye. So I'm okay. Remember that. You are okay. And I have loved meeting you and loved reading the book. And I really look forward to having you come back. So to our audience, as we conclude today's episode, your feedback means a lot to me. If you found the show helpful, please support us with a quick review on iTunes. 
because your input is vital to my mission to inspire and empower more individuals. So don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a review, and share your partner in Success Radio with your friends and colleagues. And be sure to go find Celeste Mergens on the web and connect with her. Thank you for turning, tuning in, everybody. Celeste, I will talk with you in just a few moments. Looking forward to it already. Thanks. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.